Welcome to Making the Dough Show. I'm John Cohn. I'm Nate C. Murray. How you doing, Nate? It's Saturday. It's Saturday and we're working again. Look at us. We are so dedicated. We, we really are. <laughs> By working, we, we played a board game and yeah. are plotting on doing another ridiculous thing after this. So we're doing a, probably three hours of recording and playing yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds like a, a busy Saturday to me. I think so. I think so. <laughs> but no, it's been good. So we played a fun game and we'll talk about that probably at a later episode. Right. Um, but uh, in other fun, you just came back from WonderCon. I did. I had a blast at WonderCon. So uh, in case you're not aware, Wonder, WonderCon is kind of like Comic-Con light. Um, it is a sort of an all-purpose con. It's a con for all seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's in Anaheim. And I was asked to go this year to be on two different board gaming panels. One was how to break into the board game industry. And the other one was uh, how to design board games for licenses. So did you tell them spend $10,000 on creating every aspect of a board game for the breaking in part? So um, actually, I didn't have to because somebody came with a question Ah. that was basically that. She was like, so I've made a game. I paid for all the art. It's ready. It's turnkey. It's in my bag right now. What do I do? Eek. And it was like, well... You know, and I told her, I told her the pros and cons. The pros are that it's less of an investment on a company. And so you're more likely to get signed because they don't have to pay for all of those things. You're kind of low hanging fruit. But on the downside, uh, you know, you're not going to see most of that money back. And Mm -hmm. also, if they don't like your theme, if they don't like some of the art, then that's an easy pass for them. It's a reason for them to say, no, thank you. Um, so we, we crushed some dreams. Yeah. Um, we also had somebody who had a game that was completed and, and they said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to kickstart it. This is my first game. I have a full-time job and I'm going to do this. And, uh, one of the people that was on our panel was Elisa Teague, uh, mm-hmm. yep. who is of, of geek out fame and right. yeah. a bajillion other things. And she gave a very well-reasoned, logical response of why that's the worst thing you could do. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, long story short, unless you have no job and infinite money, um, it's not really a great idea to, to kickstart your first game, especially if you have no contacts, you have no um, distribution or, or any of that set up in advance. Right. Um, it's, it's just, it's like, well, be, be ready because this is going to be your full-time job for the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with her for the most people it's incorrect to kickstart your first game. But, uh, the big thing is if that person with that game, you know, it kickstarting, let's, let's, let's unravel it. It's crowdfunding. Right. And the, the first word is crowd. So that's the big point. You have to build a crowd that will be there for you on day one and more and more in, in crowdfunding day one is now most of your money. It's, yeah. it's gotten insane. And so if, that, if, that, uh, if either of those two designers want to become publishers, they need to take a year or two doing the circuit, showing everyone their game, earning their fans, and then having them ready to show up day one and support with money. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I don't think Adam Poots did anything before Kingdom Death. No, no, and I don't think, uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think Isaac Childress did either. I, we'd have to check on that one. I, I don't know, but I'm pretty check. sure Adam, that's his one thing. Where yes. Isaac, I know, has done other things since, maybe, I believe. He has. He's done He's done the Gloomhaven... Founders of... Founders of Gloomhaven. Correct, yeah. Uh, so he's building that universe out. Right, right. But, um, yeah. Did you look at the girls' uh, completed game? Because do we want to publish it? Um, <laughs> I did not. Oh. Uh, missed, she, missed opportunity. She was very excited to talk to... Um, 
our, our fantastic moderator, Ross Thompson. Uh, everyone is. Um, yes, she always. was very excited to talk to him, and then um, they were talking for a while, and, and I had to get out of there after a bit. So okay. um, it, it's in Anaheim. I live in San Diego. It, it was a late night one, and so it ended at like 8.39. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, now I've got an hour and a half drive home. So Oof. I wasn't hanging out talking too much after that panel. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there were some people who were genuinely like very upset when we explain basically how how the industry works right where it's like they're like i've made a game right it's going to come out right. and it's like right but there's there's five thousand games that come out a year correct kickstarting yourself is going to be a massive uphill battle um and your margins are not as good as you think that was one thing that people were saying was one person came and they were like well i've heard that you're looking at getting only like five to seven percent of royalties if you're signing with a publisher. So mm-hmm. I want a Kickstarter. And it's like, well, well, yeah, but do you know what your costs are for a Kickstarter? Right. Because there's a good chance that you're looking at roughly the same amount of money, only on one end you're putting like a thousand hours of work in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. It, 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 do you want to be a business operator or do you want to be a, a designer? Right. And that's the real question you have to ask for yourself. Um, and typically, yeah, it's it's... You put all the risk on the company when you just take that royalty. Mm-hmm. That's great. So do that if if it's your child. And I think people also when they when they say I only want I want all the dollars. I think they also want all the control. Yeah. And I think some of those people that like that their gut reaction is wait I'm only make seven percent. I think those people are tough to work with because I think they don't want to take the notes of publishers and developers and all that. And and your game is not probably perfect. It probably right. needs a few tweaks even you know we play published games all the time it's like we house rule those real quick because it's like oh that's definitely not we're just talking about one of my favorite games and there's definite imbalances in it sure um so so that's important too so i i always fear those kind of designers when as a publisher because i want someone that it's a two-way communication it's not just i i here's here's exactly what you're going to publish and on this rule set and no changes and no art changes and, and that's tough so then maybe yeah you go to kickstarter but if you're going to do that you better be up on all the trends all the marketing find that crowd build that crowd build your mailing list all these kind of things um because if you just put it out into the world and say okay then uh you're not going to get there in this market absolutely and i think that there is also something said especially i mean i i was guilty of this too to a degree when it's your first game you're over invested in it yep you are hugging it so tightly uh, that there's there's a difficult moment there. It's like okay, I need to let this go. Sure. I need this to just go off and become its own thing. And right. if it is very successful, then that's great. And if it's not, well, at least you've moved on at that point. You know, it's yeah. it's. I, I know a designer who's been trying to get a game published now, but he's been working on his game for five years. Right. There's no point at, at when you're five years in that you're going to be happy. Unless, mm-hmm. unless you are Isaac Childress or, yeah, or Adam yeah, Poots, yeah. there's no way that you're going to walk away from five years of investment and being like, well, I'm satisfied with how this turned out. Sure. It's just not going to happen. Well, there's the creative, the creative arc. Uh, and at some point, there, there's, this is the best idea ever. Let's sprint with it. Mm-hmm. There's getting halfway done and going, wait, this is the worst thing I've ever done. And then there's that pivot of, do I move, press forward and make it good again? Or do I go, okay, that was a... I've sunk the amount of time appropriate to the idea into that, and now I'm moving on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, John, let's talk about your your appearance at WonderCon. 
You are the only one, by the way, who was not into this. Uh huh. I'm not saying I'm not into it. I'm just saying. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about your appearance this week. So okay, let's talk about the the, we'll talk, the modifications yeah, we'll the you've week. made. Oh right, right. Temporary and permanent. Okay, so so I came over for dinner a few days beforehand. <laughs> you did. You. Uh, I was testing it out. All right, so I found this really great product online um, that it's like a hair gel, but it colors your hair just yes. for the day. Yeah. Um, now I've tried this before. Now back in college, I colored my hair permanently all the time. Yeah. I went to film school. I was a creative person, and and that was totally fine. But then I got into like a real job where I'm around like 60 year olds who want to buy houses, and it's like well, that's not really an appropriate look anymore. So I went to being normal looking. Um, and I found this product that supposedly really worked, and um, I will say it did. It's called Moja Fang. Okay. It's, it's very Shop's Chinese. new sponsor, Moja Fang. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it was really good hair coloring gel, um, mm-hmm. and, and I did it, my hair blue, for yep. the weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we were, yeah, I, and you tested it I tested on Dungeons it. and Dragons, night, yes, which I, I came it over for. Yes, I tested it on D&D night. Yep. And and uh, what what was your response? My, my response was uh, so we're gonna be that company, huh? Um, we're gonna have the bearded white guy and the quirky hair dyed white guy. Cool. <laughs> there, there, there's no other company out there that is that combination. I'm you, so glad you've taken this path. <laughs> well, you definitely brought me in to be the creative element of this company. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. And I and I am knocking my own look by saying I look like every game designer ever i look like james hudson stopped going to the gym <laughs> or and the barber yeah. <laughs> he keeps that he keeps I those sites well tight kept, sir. he am, keeps those sites tight oh i'm, I'm on the wall of my barbershop thank All you right. very much All this right. hair is good don't don't you dare <laughs> this beard is sculpted Shout, shouts to Alan, my barber, um, by the way. But yes, I had blue hair for the weekend, and I will say I got a lot of compliments I'm sure for you it. Did. I People just, liked it. I just found it funny, and I, it's a, a, a huge knock to my own look, and, and I uh, need to change my appearance because I'm so bored with it. Well, and yeah. uh, I'll be making some permanent alterations because oh. I'm so impressed with what you've done. Yeah, so it's inspiring me. This week, I finally got my second tattoo. Uh, my first one was uh, it's on my upper back. It's a Goonies tattoo. It's uh, One-Eyed Willie's skull, um, and the Goonies are all hand in hand as the teeth. Um, and in the in the mouth, it says "Never Say Die." Um, my second tattoo, which I now got on my upper right arm, is Gizmo from Gremlins dressed as a Ghostbuster. Uh, this one's quite a bit larger than the other one. It's, it, it hides well under the sleeve, but yeah, you pull it up and um, he's he's there. He's he's probably about I don't know six inches long, mm-hmm. and I'd say seven or eight inches wide. Seven yeah. inches, yeah. Yeah, and you did the good thing. This is advice I give to everyone. So until you're very very good at something, only get tattoos you can cover. Yes. So that you can do interviews. And you did that. It's yeah. Under you're wearing a short sleeve shirt right now. I can't tell about the tattoo. That tattoo. Uh, but also, really talented artist. It's a good piece. He is. He's a good artist. He's the same artist who did my first one. And so I felt really confident in his abilities after the last one. So I thought I'd give him something a little bigger, a little more out there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I couldn't be happier with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. Both pieces are, are very good. And I don't think I could tell that they would be the same artist because they're they're diff- they're very different style. But um, that turned out really nice. Yeah. I'm and so, um, yeah. So, so you're going to, because you've been talking about wanting to get a tattoo. I have. And as long as I've known you. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been making some, some moves toward that. Uh, so I will be getting my first tattoo here um, 
at the end of the month. Oh, wow. And it signifies it's going to be keep moving forward, which is my, uh, it was a note that my dad left that we found after he was gone. And that uh, was a reminder. And it's always been a reminder to me of keep, keep moving forward, whatever you do. And yeah. so I'll be getting that. Uh, on my wrist underneath my watch band so I can cover it up if needed. Okay. Uh, but quite quickly after, as long as I'm happy with that, I'm going to do my whole dang left arm. So oh boy. Uh, breaking my own rule and calling my shot that I am now good enough at what I do <laughs> that uh, I'm willing to have showing tattoos at all gotcha, times because gotcha. I've hit a point in my career where um, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of contacts and a lot of trust in the industry mm-hmm. and I work in creative. And so it's a little different rule, but that, that's a general, like my, my sister, my little sister started getting tattoos. Uh, um, and I was just like, Hey, just, you, you don't have a career yet. You don't have college yet. Like, let's make sure you can do an interview. Right. And so that's, that's advice to, to all you youngins out there. But then once you're really good at stuff, people have to hire you. I worked at, you know, in software in the Bay area and, um, you know, the engineers up there are good enough to have full hand tattoos. And, right neck tattoos it, it doesn't matter at a certain point but when you're right. trying to break in don't give people that automatic reason to say no to you and for some people even though it's not right or wrong any twist off of generic appearance uh is is a no for them it's, true it's not going to help you get in the door true true yeah so yeah all of mine are easy covered now the other one that i a piece of advice i would give and, and especially since you just said that you wanted to get a bunch of tattoos soon after your first one um, I set myself at a year mm-hmm. between my first and second one. I made that a hard date that nice. it had to be at least a year uh, because I, I wanted to be sure that it was, you know, something I'm not just getting overly excited about and saying, right. oh, cool. Like the first one, I really like it. It's neat. Let me get my second one immediately. Uh, I feel like that's a slippery slope, especially if I then decide I want a third one. Right. And then a fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as long as I keep myself, you know, paced at at least a year, I don't have anything else planned yet. That could change. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a good friend of ours just got her first tattoo and then a week later got her second. And it was yeah. like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't want to end up NASCAR either, where right. my, my plan for my arm is a very cohesive design. And I've, my other friend, Delano, uh, just got very similar work to what I want. So it's a very like geometric all piece it's okay. not a bunch of i don't like the nascar look of just mm-hmm. a, a you know non-themed tattoos next to each other every few inches here and there right, um, right. so it'll be a very nice blend but you know i'm a hairy dude and so that's that's <laughs> a big thing too it's like what's it gonna look like under hair so we're gonna find out with one and we'll move from there so gotcha. this has been the tattoo talk yeah, uh, really. with, with john and Nate. how's really. our business going business is going pretty well okay. um we got Pun Pong landed. It's yes, here. Landed. Um, we. I was this week. I was taking some time because we got our rule sheets from a third party, mm-hmm. and we were going to put a nice little mini thank you gift into each box, um, as well as a thank you note. And so while I was putting those together, though, I realized we got we got shorted on yeah. our rule sheets significantly. Significantly. Yeah. Unfortunately. So. Um... A reminder to not just trust, you know, uh, this is a printer I use all the time for different, like, higher quality prints. Um, And somehow we got a third of what we paid for. Yeah. Uh, And your boy walked out with a cello wrap of the rules and didn't, um, like, count. Because I don't want to count out rule sheets in front of my printer. Right. Um, But we'll have that conversation this week that he did short us. And and we'll, we'll make it up, but he'll print them up quick. He's U.S. And, uh, well, by the time you hear this, you'll have had your survey. And uh, your game might even be in the mail. 
Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. So, so Nate's going to handle getting a, um, the rest of those rule sheets as well as getting it shrink-wrapped. Correct, yep. Uh, he's going to get them all shrink-wrapped, and then you're going to toss them back to me, and I'm going to get them, make sure that they get shipped out and fulfilled. Yeah, either one of us. Or, or either one. Yeah. yeah. Either one um, so that's the plan right now for Pun Pong. So that's moving along pretty quickly. Um, and then for Verona, yeah, we're moving along on that. We've got our graphic designer. Uh, we're moving forward on that. We just had a very nice phone call yesterday with mm-hmm. a possible partner. Yeah, we're probably signing with them as a strategic partner. So that's excellent. All the help we can get, right? Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about how they're going to be helping us because this isn't somebody that we're you know bringing into the company as another member of our company. Right. This is somebody no, this we're is just reaching out work to for hire. work for hire. Yep. Uh, but they are able to assist with a whole mess of things, and so you kind of have like a laundry list of things that you get to choose from. Right. Of what they're going to be yeah, doing. Full yeah, full menu. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we're not going to be doing everything that they have to offer, I don't think. But, Unlikely, yeah. But they do a lot of things where, like, for instance, they will be um, expanding your audience uh, through the uh, ways that they already have through uh, email, through social media. Um, this is, you know, a company that's worked with a lot of other big publishers. Yep. So they have a lot of those contacts and a lot of resources that we don't really have right now right um they're also just better at social media than we are <laughs> right yeah they actually use it yeah which is good uh and you'll see us using more i i threw out a little i threw out two facebook posts to, this sure week did. Yeah. yeah look at me um but yeah it's uh, so i've spent the last two months interviewing probably five different firms who offer similar blends mm-hmm. um and due to communication style price point and offerings i felt like this was the best fit for us because um the, this partner didn't. He, I don't know. He, he came with a very clean, clear approach of saying what we needed, but not a well. Let's look at this. Let me take over your entire operation and do it the way I want. It was right. more of here's what I can do. Do you want to go that path? And it was it was a, I don't know. It just felt like a good fit. I, yeah. I like the uh, communication style, and that's important to me. Yeah, and I met him at Gamma. You had set up the meeting. Yep. Uh, I met him at Gamma, and we had a really good conversation. He was there working on behalf of another publisher uh, that, I, I'll be honest, was doing pretty darn well at Gamma. They had a lot of attention. Um, they had a really good setup. Nice. So that also gave me a lot of confidence just when I met with him that he had already, you know, I was watching the end result of his work. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to be quite successful. So that was also exciting. He did ask a lot of questions that I, being on the more creative end, was was not mm-hmm. equipped to answer. Uh, so that that's why we had to uh, put forward this call for all three of us to be on the line at once so that um, you could you could actually give real answers to most of the questions he had. Uh, but yeah, I think it went really well, and yeah. uh, we should be we should be having some really exciting stuff moving forward. Yeah. So as soon as the inks dry on that contract, and it's in our inbox, so we'll mention that person and company soon, and possibly have them on the cast. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Should they be interested? But um, this was this has been a few months for me of interviewing. I've known that we've needed help because we're not moving at a rate that's um, I think either of us are happy about, but. Again, it's a luxury of we don't need to move fast. We need to move well. Yeah. Uh, And this is going to help us do that. So we'll, you know, we'll get Verona going in a very nice manner. Um, We've got the roughs in from George for the cover. We do. Stunning. It's exactly what we had wanted. Exactly. No notes. Yeah, it was real simple. You know, these artists, they'll tell you, you know, hey, I'll do two revisions for free. And then after that, 
Right. And uh, we did not use any revisions because it was no, it dead was on. Exactly what we wanted. Yeah. So I, I think that he understood exactly what we were asking for right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was ready to jump on board. Uh, and so he's, yeah, he's, he's knocking it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. That's pretty much everything that we have on our business front right now. Well, I'm, what else? Do you want to? Well, you know, as part of Council of Verona's Kickstarter, we're throwing in Council of Creepy. So again, That's it's true. a two game Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And we had the conversation this week. And funnily enough, you had the solution to the problem already, oh, yeah. and I didn't even know it. But <laughs> I, you know, I kind of I, I sat and I thought, well, we're doing this work to make Council of Creepies. And the whole point of that was to grow that IP. Right. And, um, then I thought, well, what's next? Yeah. And we had, and I did not know that there was something next. And so that was a conversation I had with you and you in turn. Yeah. So, so the last year has been very different for me in terms of being a, a game designer. Um, up until last year, I was just making games on spec, um, to, to go and pitch for publishers and, you know, see if somebody wants something. Uh, and I probably created, I, I sold five games that way and then i've made probably another five Mm -hmm. um, that just either didn't work out or i'm I'm keeping in my back pocket for for a rainy day uh but i i finally decided uh because i wasn't busy enough uh that i needed to make another game that's for me that's um you know something that's not licensed that is not contracted from a publisher that's just because i feel like making a game and i have you know whatever free reign i i want so i've been playing this game uh, on on iPhone uh, called Meteorfall, mm-hmm. and it's basically Tinder as an RPG. Uh, you're dungeon diving, but you're basically just choosing to swipe left or swipe right. I was obsessed with it. I've been playing it for for the last month or so. And I thought, boy, this idea that you only have one thing you can do, like you have, we're looking at a little bit of information, but you can do a lot mm-hmm. with that little piece of information. I thought was really cool. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to make my own deck builder game, but with a twist that your maximum hand size is one card. Right. Uh, you're building a deck, you're, you're uh, crafting your own custom deck of cards, and it's a, a player versus player game. I have it as a head, head-to-head two-player game. Um, and so I thought, all right, this is, this is a fun idea. Um, and on top of that, uh, we've been... We've, for a long time, been playing Star Realms. Correct. Star yes. Realms is a game that we both quite enjoy. Yeah, too um, much. So I, I retired. I yeah. quit. I, I've not played a single game of Star Realms in 2019. Oh wow! All right. Yeah, wait, but wait, your game, playing it. <laughs> I told you. I said well, if I if I slip, <laughs> if I slip and I my addiction comes back, it's it's all John's fault. Yeah. So so this is a um, a game that takes a little bit from Star Realms. It takes a little bit from this Meteor Fall app um, as sort of my base, you know, inspiration. And I'm going to try and turn it into a full-fledged deck builder game. Uh, And I think one fun thing that we could be doing is that we can kind of go through the entire dev process of the game on this podcast and kind of talk about how I got to, from the beginning, from just being liking two different games Mm -hmm. to being able to to create something uh, that is new and different based off of those. So, So I wasn't even thinking about Star Realms when I first started making this game. And I thought, okay, well, this base game, this iPhone game, is a one-player game that's dungeon delving. So the right. most immediate way I can think of differentiating myself there and creating something new is that I make it a game where it's playing against another player. 
So from there, I thought, all right, I, I, I tried to build out that game. And then it turns out I had accidentally built Star Realms, <laughs> which happens. Yeah, this is something that I, I invented Wits and Wagers. It's fine. Yeah, it's something that happens um, surprisingly a lot is you set out to make one game and then you want to make it different from the game that you're using as mm -hmm. your inspiration. And then you accidentally end up making a totally different game that already also exists. Yep. Um, so then from there, I thought, okay, now I need to start to differentiate from there. Now I need to start iterating to make this more unique from Star Realms. Um, so we've played with a couple of different versions right now. We did one where it was full-on figurines on a grid, on a board, and everyone's moving around. And that didn't work because you've got one card in your hand. Right. It's too if, specific. It's too specific. A... If it's like, if I want to move and I don't have a move card in my hand, then that sucks. And then if I... I am right up with somebody and I want to attack them and then I get a move card that also sucks and it's like well what's the way you fix that issue right you have multiple cards in your hand and that's and sometimes in a game this does happen where you start a game and you have one idea one conceit that you think is really cool and then eventually you have to decide like do I want to kill this darling do right. I want to kill this baby and do what's best for the game and say okay I'm going to have to throw away this mechanic that I'm in love with um, or do you double down on that mechanic and find right. a way to make it work? And in this instance, I think the right move was to head back to that initial mechanic and make it work. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's it's better to to you know kill your darlings and say, all right, you know what, this game is taking me in a different direction, and I have to be ready to move with that direction and pivot. Um, but in this instance, I don't think that that's the right move. I think that the the one card idea is a strong enough mechanic in a deck builder and it's unique enough um that you know it's it's worth pursuing at least for now yeah that's what sold me and I, I think if so you came in and we played and um it was it was very pleasing you know it was very pleasing it felt like a game felt like i want to play this again and the one card you know twist that was the point of it i think if you'd have come in and i'd have had a hand of, had a hand of three and this and that it, it wouldn't have been the special game that it was and i do think that by the way you've set it up, um, a novice can come in and play mm -hmm. and feel like they had agency and feel like they did well. But someone who, you know, puts the time in just like in, in a good strategic heads up game, someone who puts the time in will have that edge. Yeah. And yeah. so... It, and it is a deck builder. So right. you are choosing the cards that are going to be in your deck. You're just only going to have one of them at a time. Right. Right. Yeah. There was more to it. Like you, you're not just playing one. No. The choice of not playing it and receiving, <laughs> receiving resources and then drawing your next card and doing the same. And you have, over the course of your turn, you're going to draw and look at one card three or four times and make yes. a decision on that card. And so yes. that was... So it was cool. It was very pleasing. Um, I won. It was great. You did win. I did. Uh, I, had a, I stuck to a very specific strategy. So this is my advice for deck builder heads up games mm -hmm. uh it's called stubborn or spite and so in any drafting or game where you're building a deck um you have to like star realms stubborn or spite was how i played so it was i'm gonna stick to this strategy even if it looks like i should like because the game's too quick mm -hmm. to go i'm going hard red blue okay wait green looks good now it don't you can't have, have your head turned so that's the stubborn part of it you have to is go i've committed to this and i'm gonna see it through the spite part comes when i go that person is getting too much of a resource and i now need to spite remove that resource from them so right that is my strategy for almost all board games <laughs> stubborn or spite and those are the only two choices follow your path or if someone else's else's path is too valuable 
uh, you, you need to interrupt that path. But uh, I felt like there was options to do that in this game, um, and it was, a, it was a neat little thing. So a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's, that's a game that um, we're looking to make a Bread and Circuses game. We're going to continue the Creepies license. And so one nice thing is, you know, we started this company wanting to be very transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we learned that when dealing with a lot of these things that, that transparency is, is difficult. Oh, uh, I got so, news I've been wanting to share. Yeah, so, so being 100% <laughs> transparent is difficult in a lot of scenarios. But because this is a game that I am building specifically for us to publish... Um, I'm going to be talking pretty candidly about my design journey and mm-hmm. why I make the choices I make. And hopefully by the time that you have the game in your hand, you'll have, have kind of listened to the whole way that we've come along with this game and be able to understand the design choices that were made throughout yeah, the process. Absolutely. So, and I'm going to be devin a lot on this. I'm very excited. You know, there was, there, there was opportunity for noting even off the stage it was at, you know, I think we found some costing issues that will... We'll be working a lot on balancing because that's the big thing with these kind of card games that have a cost to your cards have a cost to purchase and a cost to use. Right. And so getting that right so that there's not uh, just God, what did we play the other day? But it was just a very these are constructed deck Mm -hmm. format. And when the deck plays itself and it's like it's always correct to play this pattern, then that's. Something needs to change so right. that there are, you know, there's more player agency and not just a conveyor belt that happens and uh, grows stale real quick. So we'll Absolutely. be looking to avoid that. Absolutely. And uh, as always, uh, with with a game like this, you know, ch- chances to break the game and create something uber powerful, um, that's that's always a risk yeah. uh, where, where you have, right now I have 126 unique cards that I've built for this game. Um, that, and I'm sure there are pairings right now. That will absolutely break the game. Yeah, I look forward to finding those. And I know that you will. Yeah. So the, that's something that uh, we're going to probably spend... In in the long run, that's going to be, I think, the majority of the dev for this game mm-hmm. is going to be finding those ways to break the game and um, fixing them. Yeah, absolutely. So that's... And it's going to be Creepy's license, so we don't have to worry about, you know, deving and doing any license stuff. One one fun thing, going back to the WonderCon, um, during the license panel, somebody came up and asked the question, what do I do if I want to make a licensed game mm-hmm. and pitch it? And I, I gave the answer, which is, in a word, don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there were a lot of sad faces in yeah. the crowd because it's, it's the answer is you, you really can't um, unless you already know this company and and you've worked with them very well and you're already you know a, a known household name in, in the right. board games industry. There is there's like a what I, w- I would say a two percent chance that you're going to get your game made if you come up to someone and you're like I made a Spider-Man game. Yeah, you need to build your name before you do that. I can think of instances. Uh, Richard Launius yep, is who someone who too. can do that. Uh, Kevin Wilson is mm-hmm. someone who did that for IDW. He essentially said, "I've got turtles, just go get the license." Mm-hmm. But you need to have that name. You need to have that cred. Um, and then, but but a longer answer to that, if you want to make a game for a license, figure out who has the rights. That's step one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can query that that licensor and you can say, hey, I have this, you know, uh, would you take a look at it? And so start there. Um, I can't tell you, the, but I, it's funny, I can't tell you the amount of people who've said, I have a Transformers game. Can you look at it? <laughs> it's like, have you seen us make a Transformers game? Because people confuse IDW with owning 
360 media rights of everything they do. Right, so right. Because you guys like, do the comics. Right, yeah. But that's a different bucket than the games. Mm-hmm. And Hasbro is a game company. And they're not giving away Transformers game rights. So you have to look at that, too. So sometimes, yeah, you can't make that thing. But you can... There's a lot of games that make licenses without licenses. Absolutely. that, And that was kind of what I had said, that's, too, was, you know, if, if you want to make the Sandlot board game, you make a game about a bunch of kids who lost something valuable over a fence and there's a cranky old man over there and you're trying to rescue without him seeing you. And it's like, this is its own game, but also it would be great if you could make it sandlot. And and look, John Gilmore made kids on bikes, which was very much taking the best of all of that genre. And then uh, Goonies meets stranger things. Yeah. And then right now live on Kickstarter is a gloom of Thrones. Oh really? A super, um, uh, it's gloom of yeah. thrones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. I feel like that's that's all you need to say. That's right all I'm there. gonna say. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, though. Oh yeah, we've got a special new thing we're doing. We do. So we have a new podcast coming out uh, because the, this one uh, has been has been a blast to make, and it's as far as our company has gone, it's been our, our strongest most, point, most most uh, stable piece of the, yeah. of the pie. I, uh, yes, pie, I like a stable pie, John. <laughs> What's what's a stable pie taste like? A stable pie, yeah, it's uh, earthy. <laughs> it's earthy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we are going to be making a new podcast. It's called Draft Something, and this Correct. is something that's your baby. This is something it you is. came up with. Yes. Yeah, so this this stems back from partying with uh, J.R. Honeycutt and Matt Fantastic back in uh, Pax South a few years ago, and we were essentially spending every night. Uh, yelling at a Mexican joint with far too many margaritas and beers going along uh, about, uh, and we would set a, uh, a character base and then we would set a uh, win condition. So it might be something like uh, you're gonna, we, we had drafting U.S. presidents for a melee. Okay. Uh, so it was a, a fist fight of U.S. presidents. Or we had one night we had drafting 80s cartoon characters that were going to go on a secret mission. And uh, so snake drafting, going through all that, uh, lots of laughs were had, and then it kind of fell off. Um, and then for a few weeks, we did uh, some live streams, and then everybody got a little busy. Uh, but the, the ball has been dropped, and so we're going to pick that back up. And mm-hmm. so we're going to start uh, draft something with, it's going to have a season arc to it, um, so that it's not just silly off the bat. We will be doing a Game of Thrones uh, death pool draft, and uh, that's going to involve rules that we'll post up on draft something but it'll start with that and then each episode we'll update on how our death pool is going but we will do some of these uh you know mini drafts uh dead movie dogs that would be best for going to space or whatever that's a great example we should definitely do that episode Airbud. <laughs> space it's got bud. air in the name i know i know no I, that's a terrible example i was just moving <laughs> too fast but we'll do we'll do funny little things and this is it's a it's a fun game everyone we've ever played with has, has had a blast and we have a lot of um people who want to come on and and, and draft something with us so look yeah. look forward to draft something you know but, i've never done like fantasy football or okay. any of that stuff but yesterday uh-huh I decided I was going to sit down yeah. and do my picks. Yeah, and I spent hours. Oh, I had, you showed me your 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 grid. I had so much fun mm-hmm. thinking about it, theory crafting, thinking about the new season, thinking about mm-hmm. how these characters are going to possibly interact with each other, and 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 coming up with who's going to die in different tiers. So there's people who I'm like, oh, I'm a hundred percent this character is going to die. Right. This is my tier one choice. Uh, all the way down to tier four, and then we've also got a couple of choices of who we think is going to live. 
Right. And those, uh, I'm proud of this rule because I actually dreamt it. Uh, so I dreamt the the penalties and then our tie breaks, which is I my brain works all night. And that this is very common that I'll wake up and have invented a game or wake up and like done a contract. So we have two characters per team that we th- predict will live. And if they die, it's negative points toward right. each cumulative total. Uh, and then our tie breaks will be who ends up on the throne. Secondary tie break is who is the hand of the person who ends up on the throne. Because I'm hoping that'll be a nice moment of seeing my picks on the throne and as the hand. Right, right. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of room in this also as, as we kind of move on to come up with other mini drafts too. Oh yeah, we'll be doing plenty. And there were some people who were too attached. Uh, Eric Slauson, our, our great friend, uh, Creature Future, and many games to come, I'm sure. Uh, he turned down being one of the inaugural uh, draft something guests because he was too invested in the characters and he didn't want to have... And John, you'll see this now, and this may affect your, your enjoyment of the show, but for us fantasy football players, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes... We love our team, but we want our team to give up like 35 points to the other guy and specifically through their quarterback passing a lot. Okay. But we still want our team to win. So now you're going to have situations where you might be drafting your favorite character, but you put five points against them dying. Yeah, that's true. So that's you're true. Gonna, it's going to affect how you enjoy Game of Thrones. And we'll talk about that as the season progresses, whether this was a good idea. Yeah. As this is probably the biggest media event in the last... Since Lost. Oh, I was going to say since Breaking Bad. I don't know. I think Breaking Bad, eh, I guess. So Breaking Bad, I think, was a little more niche. Yeah, you're right. Than yeah, Lost So this was. might be Lost? the biggest cultural. Yeah. I walked into my liquor. I've told this story, but I walked into my liquor store Monday morning. Pay no attention to that. Uh, and the, 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 the episode from the night before was on. And I, I look at the guy and I go, oh, I don't want to say anything. And he goes, oh, no, no I'm watching it a second time. He's like, can you believe the dagger re-showed up? <laughs> and I'm like, that the liquor store clerk is that deep in the lore to like realize that the dagger, dagger. Yeah, Littlefinger's dagger has resurfaced from season one and season six, that the, that's how deep the whole culture and, and community is. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And now we're going to have, um, well, we, we were, I might have money on this, but right. not everyone is required. To I do money. not have money. on Yes. This. Yes. Well, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, prior to 2016, uh, I would have said that I understand and, and, and more invested in Westerosi politics by a factor of 10 uh-huh. over the yes. U.S. politics, my knowledge of yeah. it, that has since changed. What, what happened? No, nothing, nothing big. No, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. No, no, oh, no, there right. were no major changes oh, that okay. happened yeah, in, just, in our political okay. system here. Oh, okay. <laughs> just curious. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, there is a an, an really insane level of fandom around Game of Thrones and knowing all of these ancillary details um, I mean, even I, I was looking at the list that, that you put together mm-hmm. and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, this, this is Dolores Ed's full name. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, so. it's, it's going to be a fun podcast. If, uh, if you like that sort of thing, if you like Game of Thrones, if you like drafting, you can draft along with us. Um, I've created draft rules for you to play at home. Yes. So yes. that's that's great because you don't get, just get to pick your, you know, the, the part of drafting and, and as a game mechanic, what's so fun is figuring out who other people want and deciding whether to block them mm-hmm. uh, in, in turn order and, you know, what round to take what character. Right. And so we'll post rules for how you can draft at home. So cool. Cool. That'll I'm be looking great. forward to it. We're, we're going to record that shortly after shortly. we finish recording two, this. Two beers from now. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, what else is going on in your life? Well, John, I've come to you today with uh, the best thing ever. 
The best okay. thing I've ever told you that was cool. Yeah. A thing you should download immediately. Oh, okay. Uh, a thing that all of you should download. Okay. It's called, I'm pulling it up on my phone to show John how good the UI for this is. All right. It's called Serial Reader. Serial, oh. like the podcast that un, that influenced the nation in a very bad way because Adon is very guilty. And then Reader, like what you should be doing instead of listening to bad podcasts about pe- very guilty people. Uh, so Serial Reader is uh, a reading app, and it has all public domain titles, so it's completely free. Okay. And you go in, and I'm showing John now. Uh, you go in, and I am saying how good the UI is, and I'm not figuring out how to use it. But here you go. <laughs> you go in, you've got these great icons, and I can browse by genre. So there's adventure, American lit, Ooh, British lit, gothic. fantasy. Horror. horror. Oh, that's my jam. Sure. So let's drill down into horror, John. horror. Hey, oh, here we go. I'm looking at go. Frankenstein. I'm looking at Dracula, Metamorphosis, Sleepy mm-hmm. Hollow. Ooh, some Lovecraft, Dunnage okay. Horror. Okay. Yes. All right. Now, notice one other thing. You see below each title. So these are all very famous works. Right. Seven issues. Okay. Five issues. Metamorphosis by Kafka, nine issues. Now, what that means is this app... Gives you bite-sized chunks. I'll subscribe to Metamorphosis right now because I want to read that one again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll give you bite-sized chunks. And it, so Metamorphosis is broken into nine chunks. They're all 10 minutes. Super digestible. Oh. Now, this is going to ping me in the morning at the time I tell it to, mm-hmm. 8 a.m. That's when I'm getting up. I'm getting ready. And instead of going on Twitter and making my morning worse, I'm going to have a 10-minute little thing of this book that I like. Listen and to some I, Kafka. Reading some Kafka. I'm going to read some Kafka to start my morning. Feel if you real get weird. pissed. He'll smite you with metaphor fists. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, but then you also, they give you badges. So they're hitting all those dopamine levels. You know, I've got this oh, week, wow. yeah, my all time, today, what's my streak? Yeah, you, you unlock rewards. Uh, so Ted Adams, founder of IDWs, who turned me on to this just randomly. And he has a billion badges and like 1.5 years worth of reading logged already in this wow. thing. Ted reads more than any human I know. It's great. Uh, okay. uh, it's, it's very inspiring that he can build an empire and then still read that many books. But Serial Reader, and I, um, it totally free. No ads, no nothing. They ask you for a couple of bucks, Wikipedia style here and there. Sure. I recommend giving it to them because look at look at how well done this app is. It is. Sure. It I mean, does look really, very good. It looks yeah, really nice. It's really just nice. Just it's better than Kindle. It's it. just better than Kindle. And I pay for all my Kindle books. Interesting. And then look, you know, we're going through, we're going through, we're going through. Oh, and you're done Boom. for the day. Oh, or done. you can move to Yeah, I could two. keep reading if I want you to. Or I can going. say, you know what? Hey, I accomplished my little goal. I'm Yahoo. done for today. Got my reward. Got my got my dopamine hit. Gotcha. Read my book. I feel better. So I'm hoping that they expand this and bring on some uh, I just got a bunch of badges but I'm hoping they bring on some paid books that I could buy books and, yeah. and it would remind me hey Nate read that book you bought yeah hey yeah, get, absolutely. get credits toward another book get a little discount off by reading your book you know yeah, yeah. interact with the app so really cool it, it's my favorite thing it's going to make me read more and that's something I has been a love of mine reading and writing has been you know my most important thing for since I was 10 you know and annoying with my dad with how nerdy I was he wished I was a little a bit tougher then he made me fight a bunch, so I got there. But uh, yeah, it, it's great. Serial, like the thing that should never have existed and really t- kind of turned pop culture and maybe created fake news and maybe led to that 2016 event. Oh. And Reader, a thing you should do more. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, well, my thing is a lot less literary, but oh, a so whole good. lot weirder. Oh, yeah. Do you? Okay. So let me, let me start with this. Do you remember mm-hmm. when you were younger, when the internet was younger... And a video would come out that was just bizarre. Did you ever watch, like, Salad Fingers? 
Not salad no? fingers. Okay. Talking orange. Talking orange. Um, the one where the guys are on acid and they're like look like lizards. It's, it's like a drinking out of cups. Okay. There were all these videos that back in the day that were just weird. They were weird videos, and they went viral because the internet was growing, but it was a small place. And when someone would create something bonkers or bizarre, everyone would know it, and everyone would be quoting it and talking about it. And I feel like that those days have gone. Those days are no longer because you just go on Reddit and there's like a thousand things that are bizarre. Um, but I found somebody this week who has produced, as far as I can tell, hundreds of YouTube videos. And they are weird in the best way possible. It's a fellow by the name of Jack Stauber. S-T-A-U-B-E-R. And he creates these videos that are usually around 30 seconds to a minute. They are um, with a lot of claymation, a lot of old school animation. Um, it looks, everything looks like it's done on VHS from the 80s. It looks like the early years of Spike and Mike. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like Angry Kid or like Don Hertzfeld's Rejected. Yeah. It very much feels like those sort of style things. They are so weird, and I can't even say that the like the jokes are funny, but they're but they're unsettling, and they sit with yes, you. Yes, and they're just bizarre. All right, so we uh, we're just gonna close out. We had a, a visitor at the door really quick, but um, I think that was pretty much all we were gonna talk about. Anyways, follow Jack Stauber. Look up his stuff on YouTube. Listen to him even on Spotify. He has weird albums on Spotify. Yes, I know, Doug. He's he's there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, serial reader. It just it'll it'll better you. Take that ten minutes in the morning from Facebook and and put it into reading some classic lit. And let's make this thing grow. And and that's great. And then uh, with your free time, you know, when you want to calm down from uh, from Game of Thrones, you're too hyped up. You know what I like to do, John? Hmm. I turn on Castle on ABC. Do you do you watch it when you're not sleeping on your bed from Mattress Firm? I do. That's I do. It. All, All right. right. Cool. Well, I think that's it. That's it.